I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to The Nonprofit Reframe. Oh my gosh, happy Monday, folks. We are back. Yes. I can't believe it, Brittany. I can't either. I We kept saying, maybe in a couple months, maybe in a couple months, maybe in a couple months. But then we did it. We are back. For the record, we are recording this on Monday, October 10th for release in two weeks on the 24th. Which is exactly one year since our last episode. Can you believe? Listeners, it has been a year since you've heard our voices, at least freshly into your ears. I know. I'm sure they've missed it. I've missed it. I've missed you. And there's so much that they've missed out on in the last year, but we're not going to talk about that right now. I'm sorry. You're going to have to pay for that shit now. (laughs) (laughs) If you haven't heard the news, we now have a Patreon site. What is Patreon, you ask? If you're new to Patreon, it means you have a way to support creators like us financially, and we're going to give you some good things because of that. We've got a few different levels of support where you contribute a monthly amount. Don't worry, they're all nominal, but you get behind the scenes content. You'll get to hear the fun updates where we've been for the last year, what the fuck we've been doing for the last year. Mm -hmm. So if that's your jam, you're going to want to head over to Patreon. You can look for us there in the search, Nonprofit Reframe, or you can go to our website, nonprofitreframe.com and click on the Patreon button. So that's it for the chit chat. We are no longer going to give our personal updates here. Instead, when you listen and download to our episodes every other week, bi-weekly, wherever you get your podcasts, we will jump right into that week's content. All the other stuff, the updates on Brittany's pool, what we've done (laughs) on our weekends, the recent dresses we've worn, you can get on Patreon, along with some other good nonprofit stuff. We'll make it worth your while, trust me. (laughs) So what are we talking about today? Well, shout out to our social media fans because you all voted on our episode. And today we are we're kicking it old school. We're kicking it like holiday time 2019. And we are talking about year end appeals and mistakes to avoid. Oh, one of our favorite topics. Such a favorite topic that it was, I think, our very first topic. And I love that people want to hear about it again because a lot has changed. Like we've had a whole fucking pandemic since we started that first episode on year-end appeals. Absolutely. And people, you know what? They're still making mistakes. (laughs) They haven't learned yet. So if you want even more info about year-end appeals, go back into the archives, find our very first episode And I can't promise you that I am not going to tell some of the same stories because I can't remember (laughs) what we talked about. So you may not want to go back and listen to that episode. Up to you. That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) I do think we've learned during our hiatus over the last year, we've got people listening really kind of across the spectrum of expertise and understanding. We've got folks who are brand new to nonprofits and fundraising. We've got those of you who've been around for decades. So let's just level set with like, what the hell is a year-end appeal? Why is it important? Great. And what does it consist of? 
Yeah. Right? So now I also want to clarify, we're both consultants. Ayo. <laughs> yep. Last time you were listening to us, I had just started my business, but I was still working part-time for an organization. That is not the case anymore. I'm a full-time consultant, and so is Nia. But don't you worry, because we have, I don't know, 30 years of experience, <laughs> 25, yeah. 30 years of being with organizations doing year-end appeals. And now we're still doing them, but we get to do them for a lot of different ones. Yeah. I did just see a tweet. I want to say it's from Shit Facilitators Say on Twitter, but it was like, nonprofit <laughs> trauma plus time equals consultant. <laughs> oh, how funny. I love that. <laughs> yep. About spot on. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's when you're like, we have a combined experience that people love to say that. Of oh, yeah. 250 years. <laughs> <laughs> Some Rumpelstiltskins over here. Okay. So where do we want to start? What is an annual appeal? Yes. Okay. So an annual. You want me to do that? <laughs> well, I don't know. I do, I, I'm like, I'm ready. I'll jump in. Okay. So first off, giving season. November, December, every year in the U.S. And why is that, Brittany? Why is everybody out asking for money? Because it is the most philanthropic time of year. That was really lovely. It's going to go on our album. <laughs> yes, we know the vast majority of individuals give in November, December. A shit ton give on December 31st. By the way, we fucking hate you. Totally. Because I can't enjoy my night. I'm always looking. Did they give? Did they give? Did they give? Yeah. Did that last minute stock contribution finally come through? Because we know who you are. We know who you are and we're waiting. Yes. I could probably list off five donors right now who will do that to my clients again this year. I can too. 100%. And then there's that one client, sorry, or that one donor that one year, and I might have told this story before, where they used to always give online and they didn't. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And they gave by check. And so it came like five days later. <sighs> I know. I was sweating. We're fracking. I know. I was sweating hard those five days. I hadn't. Yeah. Anyways. So if you're a lay person, what this probably means to you is that pretty soon your inbox is going to be filled with emails. Your mailbox is going to be filled with letters. You might even get some phone calls here and there. People are going to be asking you to give or give again if you've already given once this year. And it's a whole campaign, right? So right. like you were just saying, it involves kind of multi-vehicles of communication. So you might get that paper letter in the mail because people still read them and send checks. Mm -hmm. You might get the email. You might get text about mm -hmm. it. What else? Postcards. All yep. sorts of things. Social media. The whole Social nine. Media. Yeah. It is all about the multimodal campaign at this point. But at the core of it is a story or a series of stories about the mission and the work that every organization is doing. Absolutely. And so taking that story, hopefully demonstrating the impact of that organization's work, demonstrating how someone that has utilized their services has been able to take advantage of those services and be successful at whatever mm -hmm. it is they do. I'm trying to like generalize big here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you some advice I got recently at a conference and you can tell me yay or nay. Uh-oh. Based on the smirk, I think we might already know the answer. Yeah. 
So my colleague and I went to this conference for fundraisers. And we were given the advice that the best fundraising and the highest donor retention happens when you can productize what you do. And really, the best is when you can productize children and sell them. <laughs> and sell them. Yay or nay? I'm going to give a big nay. <laughs> Gold star, Brittany. Thank you. Thank you. Whew. So glad I passed. Whew. Yeah, that was a rough one. I mean, this person even said, like, they worked for a, an international aid organization. So when they're talking about children, they're talking about black and brown children. Yeah, they are. And we've talked about that on this podcast multiple times, mm-hmm. multiple times. So you're going to hear us over and over again not supporting that type of fundraising. No, absolutely not. To our fundraisers out there who are listening to this sometime around the end of October, you probably already have your plan in place. If you don't, you're like, oh, shit, Brittany and Nia just told me I need a plan and I haven't <laughs> even started. That's OK, honey. You can do it. you got time. But you should have like these stories figured out, some sort of plan for all your multimodal communications, which stories are being told where, and then ensuring that that messaging is really about framing the assets of your clients, of the services you provide, right? Like shifting away from that white savior mentality. Absolutely. And even though you might be panicking because by the time you're listening to this, it's the end of October and you haven't started and you're trying to put this last minute campaign together, as I always tell my clients, by the time you get to this, the end of the year, this is really where you get to reap the rewards of everything that you've been doing all year long. Yes. So while it's still important to put a strong campaign forward for end of year, you're really trying to grab people's attention and that last ditch effort. But really, if you've been doing well communicating and connecting with your donors all year, they're going to remember you no matter what. Absolutely. Yeah. And when we've got giving days, like now donors are so, what's the word I'm looking for? Our donors are so well trained Yeah. on those days that they already know who they're giving to. At this point, it's like trying to convince them to give you maybe even a little bit more than they were planning on. Yeah. <laughs> but they've got their favorite Colorado Gives Day or Giving Tuesday. And we can go off about Colorado Gives Day in a minute because it's still a fucking week after Giving Tuesday for no goddamn reason. Yep. Yep. Just to confuse everyone. <sighs> so for those of you listening who aren't from Colorado. Sorry, you need you didn't finish your last point. I don't know. I I know. The, the vitriol I feel for that <laughs> overrides all thought. I know. As soon as you brought it up, I just immediately went there. <laughs> so for those of you who are not in Colorado, you might be familiar with the national campaign of Giving Tuesday, which follows Cyber Monday. But we have a local one. And that one is called Colorado Gives Day. Yes. So for many of you, your states do a an annual day of philanthropy as well, but it is often in June or May or very far away from year-end giving season. You know, it's a nice little boost in some mid-year philanthropy. Colorado was like, no, no, no. Our fundraisers are not stressed out enough. Let's add a statewide giving day in there and also not allow it to coincide with anything else. Yeah, we're going to make it just seven days later after Giving Tuesday, 
which puts it into the first week of December, which is already when people are planning to make a gift. So I don't really understand how that's helping the sector when, you know, like you said, maybe June when the donations are not as plentiful. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. I'm sure there's some organizations that would love their coffers filled a bit more in June. Yeah. But here we are. Can I tell a really lovely story of a tiny nonprofit I'm working with right now? Give it. And this is a great example of where data management matters no matter how small you are. So teeny tiny little organization. They actually grew out of the pandemic. They're fiscally sponsored. And this is why they're one of my favorites right now. They have no intention of becoming their own 501c3. Mm-hmm. I know who you're talking Hell about. Hell to the yeah. Yeah. Because they're like, this really is just a project. We should always fit under somebody else that's doing the bigger work. Yep. Love it. And I was like, yes, yes. As soon as she said that, I was like, whatever help you need, I'm here for it. (laughs) (laughs) But they want to do their first ever year-end appeal. They've kind of done some spotty campaigns here and there, like a little birthday something for somebody over here or an, an appeal that went out with some of their materials, but nothing really coordinated. And so, of course, my first question is, do you have names and addresses? Right. And she did. Woohoo! She's got everything. So we're going to be able to do a full mailed appeal with an email attachment for everything. That's amazing. And they've got a great social media following. So it'll be a full multimodal appeal for an organization that has historically not raised more than $5,500 a year. I in love total. it. Yes. I, I mean, again, if she didn't have that data... We would be really struggling to try to figure out how to grow this. But she's got she's got donor data. She's got volunteers. She's got people that have been asked for mailed materials all across the country. That's amazing. I'm so excited to see what this little organization can do with that. I know you're going to have to come back and let us know afterwards. The potential of that is who knows? That's yes. so wonderful for them. Yeah. Yay. So – I'm curious, with a small nonprofit like that, mm-hmm. how are they incorporating or are they Colorado Gives Day? Great question. So their fiscal sponsor does have a Colorado Gives Day profile. So what we're doing is we're actually creating a campaign page just for them and directing donations there because then we can see, you know, the little thermometer throughout Colorado Gives Day and the year-end appeal in general. Nice. And since they're so small, they don't have the infrastructure to, like, have their own payment processor on their website or anything like that. At best, it would be a PayPal. Yep. So this is where we are really leveraging that platform that Colorado Gives allows nonprofits to have and being able to build off of Colorado Gives Day. But since they do also have a national following, we're going to be promoting Giving on Giving Tuesday to that Colorado Gives campaign. Great. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What do you think of mailed letters? Do you think that there's still a market for that? Yeah. I mean, as much as I would love to not have so much shit in my mailbox, Mm -hmm. mailed appeals still work. They still bring in dollars and they still spur people to go to websites, which is the really interesting thing. I just heard somebody speaking about this on a webinar that I actually attended. I just want to say for the record Not the easiest thing for Nia to do. I sign up. I don't attend. I don't watch the recording. This time I actually did, which is great. But they were saying they worked with some clients to have some really specific tracking of like what materials were sent when and how appeals were sent. And so they did see like 
I think the majority of their donors gave online, but most of them gave after receiving a letter and they could track based on that URL that mm-hmm. it was the letter that spurred them to then pick up their phone and give. That's really cool. Which makes so much sense. Like you think about your email inbox, like every morning I go through and I just do a massive deletion of yep. all the shit I don't want to read. Yep. I spend a lot more time with something physically in my hand from my mailbox. Yep. So there's something there. That's so true. And the more you talk, the more I think we just live parallel lives because I do the (laughs) same exact thing of like Mm -hmm. a mass delete (laughs) until one day I'm like, why am I just deleting all these and why don't I unsubscribe? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think that's, I, I think you're right. I think not only does it, it's like a reminder, it stays around, it's on my kitchen table for a little bit longer, I can, it's something physical I can take and put up by my desk. And then mm-hmm. I use that as a reminder. So again, maybe not using the carrier envelope to send a gift back, so to speak, but still yeah. making a gift. And yet I know from working at a thousand different nonprofits that people hold on to those envelopes. Oh, yeah. You'll get them six, nine months later. It's fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. I love getting a holiday remit envelope in July. (laughs) And you're like, I just want to know, like, what was their process? Yeah. Like, were they, like, they stacked them all and they had them tiered and they're like, these we don't have room for at the end of the year, so we're just going (laughs) to hold on to them. And then, like, every, I don't know, once a month, pick one and send it in. They have like just a big bowl and they're like, okay, honey, it's your turn to pick out the envelope. (laughs) Close your eyes. (laughs) I'm serious. It's uncanny, but it works. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about this too before. I think it also speaks to the fact that we have so many different generations of donors. Yes. So you have to speak to each generation. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like texting versus phone calling. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting you say that because at the same conference, I went to a session on engaging youth in philanthropy. Mm -hmm. What was really funny was they started off talking about millennial and Gen Z. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I am 37 years old. I am not a youth. Why are we calling millennials youths? I... First of all, I don't like that word even as <laughs> just by itself. Yeah. Something sounds incorrect about it. Mm-hmm. And yes, while it would be nice for you to be considered vibrant and young, youth is probably not a word that I would use to describe you. Yeah, not the word. What I found really fascinating, though, was I think this is kind of a common sentiment. Like, even just looking around the room of the session, there were a lot of people nodding along. And so when we have fundraisers that are of very different generations than entry donors, and we don't have somebody who's really being intentional about that, I think we will continue to miss that opportunity. Yes. Not just the modality, but also the messaging, right? Like millennials and Gen Z, it is all about like living your values and giving back in all facets of life. And being able to tap into that with your messaging and with the ways that you're engaging donors is really pretty important if you're going to have the next generation of people donate into your organization. Yeah, absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly. 
one more thought on mailed appeals. I feel like there's a real opportunity to be super creative with them. And the data's mixed. This is one of those where I'm like, I know what the data says, and I don't want it. Oh. I don't like it. Oh. I just, I don't like it. That's not like you, Nia. <laughs> I know. You're usually very data-driven. So the data would say, you write a letter, black and white on a page. It tells a story. You got a few call-outs, some bolded words here and there, and you've got a nice remit device. I love appeals that have something unique or fun in them. Like one of my clients, they they work with fiber arts. And so we're putting just like a single strand of thread, like embroidery thread, in the letters and asking people to like physically hold it while they're reading it. So there's like a tactile experience. Ooh. I know. How fun is that, right? That's very cool. And the data would say like that doesn't do anything. But... I don't know if I believe it. <laughs> Can you get a mail house to actually add that into the mailing? No, absolutely not. Okay, okay, okay. So, <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute here. So your hand, your hand, yeah. you're adding it by hand. They have a team of volunteers who will be adding, adding that by hand. Wow. All right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway, I, all that was to say, like, I think there's – room for creativity and mailed appeals if you can get people to open that envelope that can really draw them into the work you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. There's two other things that I wanted to bring up that are like pre-campaign and kind of as the campaign's ending that mm. I want people to not forget. It's going to be a little late for the pre because mm. you're not hearing this till the end of October. But that is, is that you really should have spent the beginning part of the fall looking at your donor list, looking at who usually gives at the end of the year and usually gives maybe kind of the larger gifts and connecting with those donors early. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, you know, August, September, and making those touches so that by the time you send your appeal letter at the end of the year, A, they're already expecting it, and B, it's not the first time that they've heard from you in six to 12 months. Yeah. Right? I mean, I would pull that beyond just major donors, though. Like, it should be your monthly donors, your long-term donors, like anybody who's kind of close to the organization. Yeah. Getting a, which is a, a personalized reach out. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a great tie-in to my point, which was going to be segmentation. Mm-hmm. Mm segmentation is something that requires a little bit upfront work, mm -hmm. but can have such amazing returns on the back end. Mm-hmm. So, Brittany, what do I mean when I say segmentation? It means that you have a lot of different types of donors that you potentially want to give different messaging to. And so how can you segment what you're sending out so it's personalized for each group? Mm -hmm. And segmentation can be as complex as your data allows or as simple as your data allows. Like for some of my clients, they don't have great data on how donors come into the organization or what their ties are, but they do know giving size. And so their remit device is going to have giving sizes most comparable to their past giving. You know, we're not asking a $500 donor to give $25 or vice versa. Right. So it can be that simple, but it can also be much more complex. I know I've said this probably three times a year since we've done this podcast, but I'm going to say it again because you haven't heard from me in a year. If you have monthly donors and you are sending them the exact same yes. appeal as everybody else, yes, 
you are at risk of losing those donors. Yes. Segment out your monthly donors. Ideally, you just send them a letter saying, thank you so much. We know what it means to be a monthly donor. You think about us every month. We think about you every month. You could send them a letter asking them to upgrade, but identify that they are a monthly donor. I hate when I've just had my monthly gift go through my bank and then I get an appeal in the mail the next day from a, mm-hmm. from a nonprofit. Like you don't even know who I am. Like it just sh- it feels so detached and transactional. Yes. I love that. And you have said that before. And I know that personally, you've called me upset about that. I get so pissed. <laughs> I know. I know. I think it's fair. It's such a great point, right? And I love that, like, acknowledging of how they came in. So many times we have these big events and we bring yeah. a lot of people in. And then, and maybe that's their first time coming into the organization, and then they don't give again from that. And so even if you have an opportunity to say, thank you so much for attending our gala last spring and your gift of X, you know, Mm -hmm. that's going to catch their attention when they're reading it because they're Mm going to go, oh, this isn't just a form letter. Like this is specifically calling out that I was at this event and that I gave this amount of money. Yes. Donors, they pay attention to that level of detail. The thing that I was going to bring up at the end of the campaign to not forget about, I'm a big fan of Liebunt calls. Yes. Get those Liebunts going. Yes. So what is a Liebunt, Mia? It's a last year, but unfortunately not this year, donor. For most of you who have a traditional donor CRM, you probably have a pre-made report called Liebunt, L-Y-B-U-N-T. And it stands for last year, but unfortunately not this year. That means it's a donor who gave last year but has not yet given this year. You might also have a Cybunt some year, but unfortunately not this year. Mm-hmm. It's your lapsed donor list. Absolutely. And just like we talked about all those donors, the wait to the very last minute of December 31st, I know there's some statistic we've given before. I just don't know it off the top of my head of like X percent of donations being given in the last three days of the year. Mm-hmm. It's a good time to remind people. So if you get to that December 27th, 28th time period, you can run a list and see, okay, who usually gives this time of year that hasn't given yet? Mm -hmm. And you can call them up. Let's be honest. We know it's mostly voicemails. We're leaving this, this day and age anyways. But I think people generally just like you know, the reach out and the reminder. Yeah. And it's just saying, hey, you know, we're so thankful for the past gift that you made us this time last year. And we hope that you'll continue to keep us in mind um, in your end of year gift planning this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to write down actually a note. I've got one client in particular who gets a bunch of stock gifts on that last day of the year. Start reaching out to folks early. Yep. Just so they've got the stock info handy and we're fielding fewer of those New Year's Eve calls. Absolutely. Have you ever had a time when like segmentation has gone really poorly? Oh, God. (laughs) Yes, I have. (laughs) So when you talk about segmentation, while I agree with every single thing that you say about it, I also start sweating like profusely. (laughs) (laughs) Because if you do not get it correct or if the files that you sent the printer aren't merged correctly it can go wrong (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) very wrong very wrong so i was just thinking about 
you brought it up the other day that there was a mailing snafu in, oh, I think it was here, in oh. Boulder County. No. Uh, so the state of Colorado sent 3,000 or 30,000. I don't know. I don't know. Some number, large number of ballots to people ineligible to vote (laughs) this fall. Oh, my God. And then that made me think about, I saw on the news some university, it's not Harvard, but let's just say it was, (laughs) like Harvard Law School, some kind of like big university law school sent out acceptance letters to 3,000 students that were not actually accepted. Oh, gosh. I know. It made me feel a little bit better. A little better, right? Yeah, just a little (laughs) bit better about my end of year that went out. Dear salutation. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) Or my end of year that went out with a remit envelope that very clearly had the logo on the front but did not have the return address (laughs) (laughs) no 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 oh that's rough that is very rough i know i know (laughs) or we used to do it we would be like so we make it so much harder than it needed to be. Yeah. So you would have segments like A, B, C, D, and then <laughs> you would have the the remit envelope that would have A, B, C, D on it. So you would know when they came in, which segment mm-hmm. they came in. And one time, all the remit envelopes just said D. <laughs> Every single one. <laughs> Every single one. Which, whatever. At the end of the day, that's not horrible. But it just took us a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To figure it out. It's like, why are all the D's? Like, why are, wow, our volunteers are really like stepping <laughs> up this holiday season. <laughs> we have a mutual friend who's not even a fundraiser, but she is just savvy with data. She helped her organization get set up with a scanner. So on the remit device that was personalized for every donor, they put a barcode. And when it came back, just zap, zap, scanned it, could immediately put the donation into the donor's file. What? I know. She was like, yeah, I bought like a $50 scanner off Amazon and we're good to go. We're going to have to talk about this after this episode because I don't know who you're talking about. I, I'm sure that's how big shops do it. Like any of you who are university fundraisers are like, yeah, I'm sure we've got, you know, some LED blah, blah, blah that does. LED doesn't even make sense. LED? But- <laughs> I was like, do they have lights involved? Like... They've got some fancy USB. (laughs) (laughs) But for most of us, the majority of organizations with revenue under $5 million, we don't do that fancy stuff. We're lucky if we remember to put our address on the envelopes. Absolutely. Exactly. Well, before we leave, let's just give real quick takeaways of what are your best examples of segments? Best examples would be entry into the organization. Or... I've got one client that has a really good idea of like why they're tied in. Like they're a parent, they're a grandparent, they're a friend and could actually have different stories for each. Yeah. So it was a pretty deep segmentation and it was masterful. I love when you can send something to your volunteers that have not yet given a financial gift. Mm-hmm. So they're not just volunteers, but they're volunteers who have not given a financial gift, thanking them for their time and recognizing yes. that they have already given 
mm-hmm. to the organization. However, if they would like to make a financial gift, you know, yeah, now's the time to do it. I will say, I mean, even though we're like, screw donor centrism, like they get what they get. <laughs> Is that what we sound like? I don't know. <laughs> I forgot what we sound like because we haven't sounded like anything in a year. Yeah. <laughs> The one time a segment really touched me was when it called out that was a, I was a former board member. And Aww. they thanked me for my service and said, because of this, we want to give you some updates on our strategy, which oh. I was genuinely curious about. I'm hoping and assuming they didn't do that to all the donors. It was just the former board members. And I was like, that is a nice touch. I feel like you know me. I feel like you are really speaking to me. And I gave them a bigger gift. That's smart. Yeah. That is smart. Well, I think that we should collect our letters that we get in the mail, like our different appeals. We do anyways. Come on. I know. Like, (laughs) what are you talking about? (laughs) And maybe in a few episodes, we could talk about pros and cons of what we've seen coming out. Oh, my gosh. I love that. Shall we preview some of our upcoming topics as well? Yes. What are we going to talk about? So, again, we put this out in a poll to our listeners, but we promised we would cover the other three options. So, the other three topics, committees, what are they really for? What are they for? I can't wait for this one. What the fuck are committees for? I have no idea. Interims and succession planning for leadership roles. Mm. Mm -hmm. Snaps to that. Yes. Because half our clients have interims right now. Yep. How to talk to donors and why we don't. <laughs> oh, it's so perfect. It's Ooh, so perfect. We got some good ones. I'm Like I said, I'm so glad we're back. We have so much to say. <laughs> Make sure that you're keeping up with us. We are coming back every other week, like Brittany mentioned, which means you better be subscribed. We don't want you to miss anything. So go to your favorite podcast platform. Hit the subscribe button. If you want extra content for the off weeks... Head over to Patreon and become one of our Patreon members. Support us so that this show can continue without year-long hiatuses going forward. And make sure you're following us on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram. We have a lot of exciting things coming up, a lot of exciting things planned. So please stay tuned. And if you have any ideas or thoughts about our big comeback and what you really want to hear us talk about, then you can send it to nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. All right. Thank you, everyone. That's a wrap for our first episode back. We can't wait to be talking to you more often. See you later. Don't forget to become a Patreon subscriber for behind-the-scenes content starting at only $3 a month. Learn more at patreon.com slash nonprofit reframe. We would like to thank our sponsors. Brittany Wilson Consulting helps nonprofits raise even more money through fundraising coaching, training, and event production. Learn more at brittanywilson.com. That's B-R-I-T-T-N-Y Wilson.com. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based consulting firm working towards social good in all sectors through fundraising, board governance, strategy, and planning, and equity support. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com. And Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thanks for listening.